This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. I'm Will Iverson. I'm the founder of Double Robot, an independent video game studio. My background is in software development. I've been writing code since I was a kid. I spent many, many years doing software development consulting, and then a few years ago, I had the opportunity to be able to pivot and switch to making games. Uh, the name of my game is Blaze Sky. It's a space opera action role-playing game. So the one-liner is Asteroids, the role-playing game. It's got really good 3D graphics. 4K looks beautiful, runs really well on even pretty moderately powered machines. Gameplay is super easy. It's pick up and play. So even though it looks like a 3D game, screenshots that you could use as desktop patterns, really pretty. The controls are dead simple. You pick it up, easy to play, run around, blow up spaceships, have fun, and that's got a it's not it's a role-playing game, so it's got a big story to it. The series started in episode 105. Go to the show archive to catch up. Now we're entering this uh area called uh, incremental delivery and fast experiments. So when you put yourself back in time where you're thinking about doing this, you know, I'm going to invest some time and I might use Unity and I might use this and I might use that. Uh, did you do any type of lean startup experiments to see if you, to test your idea before you started investing in building technology? Yeah. Well, what's funny is, is that, um, and I, I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. So I spent like two years working on stuff before I can't before I switched to this asteroids the RPG concept. Blaze Guy, right, is the name of the game. Um, so I built probably at least half a dozen games, and then I would build them, put them in people's hands. Some of them were mobile games that I deployed to the iOS and Android app stores. So I built and then shot. Probably half a dozen games, and so that that was part of actually what also then wound up pushing me towards Unity was because uh, without visual tools, it, the cycle between building having an idea and building a minimum prototype that I could have somebody play with was too long. The irony is, like today, if somebody said, "Oh, build those prototypes," like with Unity, I could knock out something that took me three months to do before and probably a week, which is a really uh, just learning in life. So yeah, as far as the the asteroids, the RPG concept goes, part of the tension there is like how much material do you have to put out to then test at what stage, right? So like the prototype that I did a year ago where it was like quick and dirty that took, you know, six weeks to hack it together. And then I shot the trailer and then I brought it and got some people to play today. The game is available or the, I have posted the game on steam. And so my testers, I can push out a new build like once ever, I mean, I could do as often as I want. It's I've got some scripts and it's not too bad. So I can push out builds pretty much as often as I want, and then I can get feedback from them. So the process is I use, I build it in Unity. I use GitHub for source control. I've got headless automated tests that run for the guts of it, Unity tests that run, and then I'm able to push it out and deploy it. The The kick is, is that there's this whole aspect around the marketing side that 
takes a lot of time and, and there's no way to automate. And the specific example of that, that I'll give you is I need to cut a new trailer, right? So the way it works is, is that I have the game and it runs on my PC and I run it in 4k and I use the built-in hardware recorder to generate video. And then I can generate let's say pick a figure half an hour of gameplay video and I'll have a shot list for all the things I want to catch like oh new missiles new particle effects the shields look cool now the spaceship's got new glow and on the engines that look gorgeous um, you know I've added in a sort of a camera mode where you can take cool pictures right like all the fun stuff okay so I take 30 minutes 45 minutes whatever of footage then I pull that over onto final cut on my Mac and then I can edit all that down to a minute long, two minute long trailer. I have to add and pick out the music, check the sound, all that fun stuff. So that takes like probably easily a day, right? So, you know, how often do I do that? Because that's a day I'm not spending <laughs> building the game, right? Right. So, fortunately, the game, the one good thing about this virus and everybody being stuck at home is that a lot of the things I used to do, like go out for lunches a lot with friends to catch up and stuff, or, you know, I've got to go pick up my son from school. A lot of that time that I was spending, I I don't have to do now. So I'm actually getting pretty close to this thing being at least an early access. I I said it was going to be summer at PAX, and it's now May, and I'm putting... I'm feeling a lot more done than not done. So Wow. Okay. So your cheapest experiment was, sounds like one month of development to get the Asteroid game part, uh, parts working, and then you uh, invited people to watch the video, or you had them play it. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, well, actually, I mean, technically, I think, as far as this this game goes, I probably only took about a couple days to get a controller hooked up to a spaceship that could fly around and shoot and blow up asteroids right so only hmm. co- so so at that point the experiment is can will build a game at all and that's you you showed something and you go great i can i can build a game so that experiment check past that hypothesis is, is yes i can do this yes exactly okay i mean and it's funny like you know part of it is when i started the experiment one of my goals was to say, how much of this can I get away with not writing code for? Uh, Right. So like unity has all these systems built in it for things like AI pathfinding and controller input and, you know, graphics and particle effects and stuff. And so part of it was like with libgdx, it was like, Oh, you want to, you know, move the ship. 20 pixels. It's like you go in and you write code that says move it 20 pixels. So the initial experiments that I did were using something called the Unity Nav Mesh, which was a pathfinding system. So I was literally like just taking the input from the controller and then feeding it back into the AI Pathfinder to move the ship around and stuff. So it was like really, really, really like simple, basic stuff. What wound up happening was, is after I I did that for a while, was eventually I wound up switching to using the physics engine to drive the ship. And that was because I wanted to have things like, there were a couple of points in time where a specific thing changed in the game that really notched it up. Um, so when I switched it to physics, 
all of a sudden, instead of it, like the ships just sort of moving around like a little pin on stuck to a piece, to a, to a, a board, mm. all of a sudden now when I like, when the ship would like hit an asteroid, it would spin around and the camera would whip around and it felt like you were watching an action movie. Nice. So cha- changing that camera around, um, a couple of the visual changes, like originally I had the camera on up, up above so, like, if you think about asteroids, asteroids, you look down at, like, the old 19-whatever 80s game, like, right? You look down, and there's a little ship in the center, and it moves around, and then it shoots the asteroids. So, the camera is, like, a god view. Yeah. It's looking down. One of the changes I made was to instead put the camera behind the ship, so now the camera is like a chase camera. Mm. So, like, if you think about, like, you're watching a, a car racing sequence in a, vid, in a movie where it's, like, the camera is, like, in part of it, like, following the car, and the camera is a body. So, even though it's CG, it doesn't exactly, isn't real, the camera has body and weight to it. And so, like, when the, when the ship's flying around, it's moving and the camera's moving. So, a couple of those changes made me go, oh, hey, this is actually not just, you know... There's actually like a really fun gameplay thing. The other one that I did was I. Uh, are you familiar with Mastermind at all? Um, so this idea of having somebody to check in with for accountability. Oh, Mastermind groups. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I wound up finding this guy who helped me out. He was an industry guy who's he's worked in games for a long time, and basically I would check in with him once every two weeks. And we would we would meet, and I'd show him the build, and he'd play it, and he'd give me his thoughts and his oh. feedback, and it was very motivating for me because it was like, okay, you know, I need to show the 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 build to this guy, yeah. right? And so I have to add add new features, and I want it to work well, and it's not going to crash, and all that fun stuff. One of the things that, because and this is probably because of some of the background doing the agile development stuff, the game. I, I always keep the game in a buildable, playable state. So I never have the game, like even if I'm adding a new feature or whatever, it's always playable, it's always working, always moving forward. Which is a side note, is actually a very unusual thing in game development. Lots of games will be in practically unplayable states for the vast bulk of their development process, which I find blows, I find insane, but that's a very common thing. Right. Yeah, no, I, 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 different industries, they have different, uh, adoption rates or flexibility to focusing on things outside of their specific, like one, it's like a narrow focus. I just want to build the game without thinking about engineering excellence in these other items. But uh, that sounds really cool that you did that. How many unit tests or do you have, or how many tests do you have in your suite? I mean, well, it's funny because the meaning and the granularity of these things is a little, little odd. Um, like, I'm not even sure if it's a meaningful statistic to be honest. But I'd say I probably have in the in in the Explorer. So I use Writer for development. It's the C Sharp IDE from from JetBrains. Oh, I don't so, know. That one. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so JetBrains makes uh, IntelliJ, which is the Java development environment that most people use. And then they've got like a, they actually have platform specific IDEs for a lot of other tools. Um, so I'm using the C Sharp one, which has a ton of features in it for Unity. So I'd say I have about 100, 120 tests that run in the headless project. And then I've probably got another dozen, two do- somewhere between a dozen and 
more than yeah more than 10 less than 20 unity tests but a lot but some of those tests like they're they're testing the entire data set yeah right so well yeah but you're following the usual the ratio which which you know, I, I don't know if it's quite, I've got enough data to call it a golden rule yet, but uh, uh, 10x increase, it should be 10 to two, 10 or 100x increase for unit tests and then the, the UI, like you need a whole system running to, to execute these tests, those should be uh, an order magnitude or two orders of magnitude less of your unit tests. So you're, yep. you're kind of in that range right now. What we were talking about is this basic concept of test organization called the test pyramid. Check out Agile Thoughts episode one through six for information on the test pyramid, which is broken up into like UI layers, the middle tier, and the bot base of the pyramid, which is the where the logic is handled with a lot of unit testing. And like any pyramid, there's a secret tier of the test pyramid, and you'll have to check out those episodes to find out more. There will be a link in the show notes. Otherwise, go use your favorite search engine. Because Agile Thoughts recommends pair programming if you're writing code. Genua Tech Code Together 2.0 just hit the stands. There will be a link in the show notes. Now more words from Will. Blaze Sky is available for wishlist on Steam today. As an indie game developer, that is the single most important thing you could do is go and wishlist the game. Um, that's basically you telling Steam that's the kind of game you'd want to play, which means that Steam would then also recommend it to other people. So yeah, go to Steam, type in Blaze Sky. It's all one word and Add it to your wish list. Blaze Sky is on the Steam Games platform. And if you're listening to this show on a podcast player, show notes are automatically downloaded along with this programming. And in those show notes are links to cinema of the game showing real gameplay. Otherwise, come over to the website and you'll find the same show notes and links. Next episode, we're going to hear more from Will Iverson, founder of Double Robot, about Blaze Sky. What is your business model? Like, are you, uh, right now, are you selling games or are you doing something else? 